Amen. And again, welcome to Communitas Church. We are a church that exists to love God and love people and build disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here. And uh, we have worshipped through gathering together, just by very nature of us coming uh, and, and humbling ourselves and, and saying that, yes, this it is important for us to not only gather together, but gather together for the sake of, of being with one another uh, and growing in holiness, hearing God's word, singing songs with one another, professing the faith. We've worshipped through singing. We have worshipped through giving uh, of our, our tithes and our offerings. And it's during this part that we, we worship through communion. The way that we do communion here is we do what's called open communion. We don't have to be a member of, of this church to partake in communion with us. We just ask that you are a believer, that you're a follower of Jesus. And, and if you are, we're just going to take um, a few moments to reflect on, on, on communion. And then what we do is we, we take that time in silence and we know that we've got, we've got some kids and kids are going to move around and, and they're going to make some noise, just like sometimes adults move around and make noise. And so that's fine. We're going to roll with that and, and we're going to take some time in reflection. They're going to come forward. We're going to grab the elements that Brad set out to your left and to your right. And then we're going to come back to our seats and then we're all going to partake together. And so just kind of our understanding of communion, we, we recognize that it's, this, that it's this time that Jesus spent with his disciples. And it's one of the last meals, it's the last meal that they share together. And, it's, and meals are really important in biblical times, just like they are now. And, and what was especially significant about this meal was it was a celebration of Passover. It was this time of year where, where the, the folks all came together and they celebrated. And it was supposed to be this, this really sacred meal. And, and Jesus kind of flips the meal on its head. And if you're one of the disciples and you're sitting there, you're going to go, that wasn't the script. Like that, that was not, this isn't the symbol that we've been working with. This isn't what we expected to happen. But that's so often the way that Jesus is, isn't he? Does things in ways that we don't always expect them, but it's always, always better for us in the end. Uh, and so during this time of silence, I just want you to, to take a few moments and, and reflect on this. We're coming out of, uh, if you're familiar with the church calendar, out of what's called the season of Lent. It's this season of preparation. And where we kind of evaluate ourselves and we, we ask these questions about who is Jesus? What is he calling us to do? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life? Who is God? What do we believe about him? And so I just want you to take some time to reflect on those, on those ideas. And, and if you're coming in here for the first time and you're just going, gosh, I have no idea what is going on in my life spiritually. I have no idea who Jesus is, what the Holy Spirit's role is in my life, why God created me the way that he has, if there is even a God. And we're just glad that you're here. And, and we appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And so I think just take the next few moments to just reflect on that and just and ask those questions of yourself and just take those, those few moments. So as I said, so in, we're going to take some time in silence. Kids are going to squirm. They're going to make noise. That's fine. We're going to roll on with that. That's no big deal. And as you're ready, we're not in a hurry. There's no potluck to get to. So as you're ready, come forward, grab the elements, the bread and the juice, the crackers and the juice, and bring them back to your seat. I'll read from the scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. So as they're 
eating this meal together, there came a point in the service where, or in, in the meal, it was kind of a scripted deal, and they would they'd break the bread. And so when it came to that point, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and said, take, eat, this is my body. And as my favorite meals tend to, they, this meal lingered on, and it came time for the cup, and, and Jesus had given thanks, and he said to them, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Okay, so traditionally, this is the part of our service where the kids head out this other direction. But in this, uh, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, or if you were hanging out with us here today, either way, uh, thanks for being here. We're going through a, a series called Casket Empty, and what that is, is is an acronym that was developed by some friends of mine, and it's a way to remember the story of Scripture. It's not the best way, it's just a way, and it's the way that we're using here today, and, uh, and kind of what we're using as we prepare and to go out and make disciples around us. It's important to be able to tell the story to other people. And so Casket Empty is an acronym for creation. Abraham, Sinai, kings, exile, temple, expectations, Messiah, Pentecost, teaching, and yet to come. And so creation, this idea that God made uh, the heavens and the earth and created all things, and that uh, through our earthly parents, through Adam, as we sung about earlier, uh, that, that there's, there's a fall, there's sin enters the world during this period of time and moves into Abraham and how uh, the story of Abraham and how he, he's going to offer up his, his son, but, but the Lord provides a sacrifice that is sufficient and, and then makes a nation out of Abraham that's to bless the other nations. And they go into a, a period of slavery in Egypt and they come out and they, they, enter, they go to the, the base of the mountain at Mount Sinai. And Moses teaches the people through the Lord about what it means to be human and, and to serve others and to be different from the other nations and to continue that articulation. And we move into the period of the kings. Uh, this is sort of the high point of Israel's history. Guys like David and a man named Solomon rule and, and the kingdom of Israel grows and advances and blesses the nations around them. It looks like it's God's plan is going to come to fruition, but then as sin often does, it continues to enter in and, and bust things apart. And then we, do, and then we enter into the divided monarchy. The, the kingdom of Israel ends off in exile. And in a vision, a prophet by the name of Ezekiel sees the presence of the Lord leave the temple as the people of Israel are carted off into exile. But then after 70 years, God orchestrates the world's superpowers the kingdom of Babylon falls. The kingdom of Persia comes in into reign, and, and and a decree goes out from Cyrus to send everybody back to Israel. And so they rebuild the temple, but there's always this period of expectations. They're wondering when is is the Lord's presence going to dwell with us, as it did like in our, the days of our ancestors. And so there's all these questions: When is the Messiah going to return? And that's what we're going to talk about today as we get into. Messiah. Next week, Lonnie's going to come up and he's going to bring it to us and talk to us about Pentecost. And then we'll get into teaching a period when, when the church goes out and advances and makes disciples of all the nations. And then we'll end with that series of, of yet to come. 
Uh, following that series, we'll get into the book of Matthew, and that'll take us for, uh, for a good chunk of time there. But for today, that's what we're going through. That's, that's where we're, we find ourselves today. So uh, let's run through the acronym. Some of you are new. You're going, I don't know if I quite have it yet. That's cool. There's some other people around you that they've been going through this drill for the last couple weeks. So if you know it, say it loud. If you don't, just kind of mouth along and uh, pretend, and we'll go from there. So I'll say it. You repeat it, we'll roll through it. Ready? Creation, Abraham, Sinai, Kings, Exile, Temple, Expectations, Messiah, Pentecost, Teaching, and Yet to Come. Man, y'all did awesome. Greg and I were talking earlier this week about how, how teaching and temple and expectations and exile just kind of trip us up, and I almost did it, but we made it through. So, all right, kids, thanks for hanging out with us in here this morning. We've got a couple people that are going to take you out over this door, over this direction. Uh, Jeff and Bailey and Rachel have a great lesson planned for you today. So go ahead and make your way that direction. Lord, we thank you for Rachel, uh, for Jeff and for Bailey. And we also thank you for Kelly and Nicole for helping get these kids all squared away. Um, and Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity to teach them. And we pray that we would not take that lightly. And that we, as, as your people, would exemplify what it means to follow you and to live in your kingdom, not only for these kids, but for people around the world. Uh, If you've got kids that you want to keep them in here, and if at any point in time you decide, man, they're just getting a little bit squirrely, we do have a room directly behind us where we live stream whatever's going on out here, back in there. So if you want to go sit on a comfortable couch and just hang out uh, with your kids, with your kids, not just if you want to go hang on a comfortable couch, come on. That is available to you. We also have some women who are pregnant in here, and I know that these chairs, while comfortable for a little bit of time, are not comfortable for a lot of it of time, especially if you have some small being pushing down on your bladder, that couch is also available to you as well if you need to go back there and recline. So, all right, here we are. Messiah. We're going to do the whole thing in one sermon. All of it, right? Like, no big deal. No big deal. Yeah, uh, pray for me. Um, so we're going to be teaching about Messiah, the whole deal. And, and some of you are going, okay, one sermon about the Messiah? Really? Hey, let's be honest. They're all about the Messiah. Okay, so what did we just do up here with the crackers and the juice? What's up with that? That's a little bit like if you step back and if you if you if you look in from the outside, that's a little bit different, isn't it? Like you get together, do you hang out with your friends often and just like, hey, let's have a really small cracker and a little thing of juice. We'll call it supper. I don't know that there has ever been a point in my life when my metabolism has consumed that and went, yeah, supper, good. Most of the time I'm like, uh, where's the rest of it, right? But that's what's, that's an interesting thing about symbols, right? And an interesting thing about expectations is symbols bring about these questions And expectations kind of conjure up these questions. And both of them point toward a reality that we have the opportunity to either accept or to deny. But either way, it is a reality. In the following story, we're going to encounter some people who, some who believe what's going on, some who question what's going on, and some who just outright oppose it. 
But like all of us do, we all have the opportunity to take this reality and accept it. And it's okay to wrestle with it. And it's okay to wonder and to have questions. But at the end of the day, we have choices to make as a result of the reality of the world around us. If you'd like to follow along, we're going to be hanging out in the book of Matthew. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. We'll start off in Matthew 1.1. We're going to kind of jump through a few things. If you have a mobile device and you want to follow along on that, that's totally fine. Go ahead and pull that out. If you have neither of those options available to you, there will be words projected on the screen. Behind me, we're having some issues with this one over here. So if you're over in this direction and need to move or get up and stand and and see it, that's fine. That's not going to be distracting to me at all. Um, Go right ahead. So, Matthew 1.1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, the son of Abraham. We don't even need to get to the son of David, the son of Abraham. But if you're, we need you just for a moment. We're gonna, we gotta pretend. I know we just left the most, we just let the most imaginative people among us go over there. But I need you to just take a, a few moments and just kind of put yourself into the mentality that you are an ancient, like first century Israelite. And I'm going to give you some prompts to kind of help you along because you're going, I don't know that I really know all that much about it. That's cool. We'll go over it. When you read this, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you would get that far before you went, whoa, Jesus Christ, Yahweh saves and the anointed one. Now, if you remember, we're coming out of this, this period of expectations I just alluded to where where you know you've you've studied the scriptures, you've read about this prophet, this man named Daniel, and Daniel prophesied about these four different kingdoms that would come before the Messiah. And if if you'd grown up in the area around where this this book was written, you'd go, okay, so there was this there was Babylon, that was a kingdom. There was Persia, that was a kingdom. There were there was the Greeks, that was a kingdom. I remember that movie 300. Yeah, there was that guy. And I remember, I remember Russell Crowe and Gladiator Rome. That was, that was a fourth kingdom. Four would come before. Four. Maybe the Messiah is coming. And you'd, you would just be burning with this, just like, oh, this angst that we get. And, and sometimes in the States, we get this every four years, like around election time, except for this is bigger because this isn't just an every four-year thing. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And if you're an ancient Israelite, you feel the weight of this weighing down on you because this is, this is going to be cosmic. This is going to be apocalyptic. This is going to be a change. This is going to be this thousand-year-old desire burning inside of you for, for David the King David, this new King David to come and rule and reign and for the kingdom of God to like finally take root. And so when you read this, Jesus Christ, you're going, could this, could it be? And you continue to read in the book of Matthew and in verse 23, it would say, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they will call his name Emmanuel. And if you're Mary, this knocks you out of your feet, not just because you're about to become a single unwed mother, but because of the word Emmanuel. God with us. 
And we hear this every Christmas, and we might see, uh, you know, pictures of, of this Rembrandt, you know, just kind of, oh, it's the birth of Jesus. But what this means to the ancient Israelite, God with us, those phrases, those words haven't been mentioned in 400 years. Would this be significant to you? Would this start to work in your heart? Would you think that maybe the Messiah has truly come? And the world is about to get flipped on its head. Well, Jesus uh, continues to grow up and in, in, in fulfillment of the prophecies, he goes out and in, in Matthew 3.16, he's baptized by John. And John is this, John's this kind of rugged dude. He lives out in the wilderness and, and he has this message and, and he keeps saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And then he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And a lot of people said the kingdom is coming and then, but, but John is like, hey man, get ready. It is getting close. It is about to get real. So Jesus is baptized by John. And then he goes out and he spends 40 days out in the wilderness. And if you're an ancient Israelite, you're going to start to go, wait a minute. Wilderness. I remember the wilderness. I remember this other story of of these people that, that came up out of the baptism that John did. I remember like our people did that. The ancient Israelites, like they came out of the water through the Exodus, and then they spent some time in the wilderness. And you'd start to look at the story of Jesus and you'd go, wait a minute. That's my story, but it's different. That's that's my story, but it's it's how my story should have been. Because remember, the Israel story is our story, and Jesus is coming in, and he's, he's starting to rewrite Israel's history and saying, yeah, I know this is how it was, but this is how it should be, and I'm going to show you what it means. And I'm going to tell you about my kingdom and show you my ways. And so it starts to conjure up these images, and you're going, okay, is this, could it really be the one? And then Jesus goes out, and, he, and he, he's tempted by Satan, and uh, Satan throws all these accusations at him, and he's like, dude, and he offers him up all this stuff, and Jesus is like, are you kidding me? I already have that. I don't need that. And then he goes, and in, in Matthew chapter 5, so seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Which doesn't sound, you know, like, what, there's nothing really earth-shattering about that, right? I'm opening my mouth and I'm trying to teach you all right now, right? Like I'm, I'm hoping that that's what's happening. But if you're an ancient Israelite and you, you're looking at this, this is going to flip some things upside down for you. Because everyone else, whoever taught, taught according to, they always cited where the idea came from. And here Jesus is just teaching as though he has some sort of divine authority, as though he wrote the scriptures. And so if you're an ancient Israelite, you're going, oh, this could, this could actually be the Messiah. Could this be the Messiah? He's teaching from the mountain. Who else taught from the mountain? Remember Sinai? Mount Sinai? Moses taught at Mount Sinai. We got the Ten Commandments where, where Moses teaches through God to his people about how to be human, about what it is to follow him, what is it, what it is to look like a nation that blesses other nations and goes out and makes disciples of all those nations. Can you feel like 
ex- expectation move into a little bit of excitement? Can you feel that a little bit? And then a lot of people were talking about the kingdom coming. Like if you read through the, if you ever get a chance and read through any of the Old Testament prophets, they talk about this kingdom that's going to come. And so many had talked about the kingdom was coming. And as Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, the kingdom is here. It's here today with you right here. Not, not later, not once you do these, it, it's, it's here. And if there's a new kingdom, that means there's a new king. And if you're an ancient Israelite and there's a new king, that's the Messiah. And so he, he goes on and for the next two chapters, he just describes what it looks like to, to live in the kingdom. And, and then when he gets done with it, which is, I love this about Jesus, like he, he'll sit and he'll describe some stuff. Be like, this is, here's the kingdom. And he gives us some, some things. And, and then he's like, oh yeah, and, uh, and now I'm just going to go out and I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to heal some people. I'm going to teach some people. And he calls these 12 disciples. And again, so we've got our ancient Israelite thinking caps on. We're going, man, 12 disciples. That's the 12 tribes. He's, he's calling this together. And so it's all this, this, this symbolism of, of saying, like, this is who I am. I'm not just going to say it with my mouth, but I'm going to demonstrate it with who I am and, and how I live my life. And so he gathers these 12 disciples together. And so it continues, and, and, and we see that there's some people that are going, yeah, you're the Messiah. I'm on board. Let's do it. Where else would we go? And there's some other people, even John the Baptist, Jesus' own cousin, who's like... Are, are you really him? Are you sure? Because like I'm, I'm looking and I'm hoping, and I'd like it if you were. But if you're not, I, I just don't have time to waste. I got to keep looking. And then there's some others who, um, they're like, no, he's he's not the Messiah, because they were looking for 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 Jesus, for the Messiah to come as a, a political leader. He's going to bring about some. He's going to just usher in a new system, just a you know, and 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 some different power. And see, we don't follow Jesus. He's not our cosmic sugar daddy. We don't follow him because he he's going to just give us what we want or give us some sort of power. We follow him because he's the Lord, and because obedience and life in him is how we've been created to be, and it's ultimately what brings us life. If you've ever applied yourself to getting better at anything, you know that there's certain things that you do and there's certain things that you don't do. There's commands that you would obey and there's things you stay away from. If you want to become a better athlete, a better musician, a better painter, better at your job, there's certain things that we do. So Jesus is saying, you know, life in me. It's not about power. It's not about changing this, that, or other thing, or overthrowing a government. It's about adhering and living in a kingdom that is here and that's offered to all. And so the religious leaders of the time, they're like, man, we, we don't, we got kind of the corner on the market on that. I'm not really sure that I'm ready to, to give up control. And that's the problem with control, isn't it? That was the, the issue of the idols of the Old Testament was these people hold, held on so tightly and wanted to control so many things. 
but ultimately in their, they're, they're seeking to control an idol that doesn't hear, can't see, and can't speak, ultimately is dead. They also become those that are just walking around dead, void of life. They're also seeking to bring back this, you know, the, we always, and I think it's kind of a, a normal human thing, right? We look back to this ideal and we try to bring that forward into our daily life. And Jesus is like, no, no, don't, don't look back at that thing that went away. It's just going to go away again. The Davidic kingdom fell and he's saying, hey, I'm going to bring about an everlasting Davidic kingdom. Be a part of that. And he continues, his, he, he teaches message about honoring through service, forgiving instead of getting revenge, and gaining wealth by giving it away. And then we come to the last week of Jesus' life, this Passover meal that we just celebrated. Imagine, and I know sometimes we, you know, we, we get together and we talk about, and we've seen the pictures of Jesus and the 12 disciples, and it's you know 12 guys just sitting around. and It fails to, to capture the gravity of what's going on in Israel's history. This would have been like, the 4th of July weekend here in Brainerd. But like, I mean, just, so, I mean, just people coming from all over the place to celebrate and have this, this big festival, this big meal, and it's wrought with this expectation. And, and so it's this time that they celebrate that they've been liberated. And, they're, and, it's, and it's this filled with cool irony because the Roman government is oppressing them, but they still get to come together and celebrate this feast. And in the midst of that feast, the religious leaders are are seeing what he's doing. He, Jesus comes into town on a donkey, which is the best way to say that I'm the king without saying it. It's this ancient symbol that says, yeah, I'm the king. And then the next thing he does, he goes into the temple. And maybe you've heard this story where Jesus comes in and he, he gets this whip out and he starts beating people. And you're like, what happened to like the Jesus that come and love the little children? And he's up there beating people in the, in, like, in church? Yeah, in church, just beating people and he's flipping over these tables and he's kicking all these people out and you're like that isn't what i expected but what he's doing is he's saying hey look you're you're oppressing my people and they're to be free and, and i can't have that and so who has authority in the temple who has the authority in the temple to to kick people out and to change things around god does and so Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm him. I'm the Messiah that you've been waiting for. And so he doesn't say it, he just acts it. And so if you're a religious leader and you're looking on and you're like, hey, I, I kind of like that little paycheck I was getting off of those, those unfair money scales, are you going to be a little bit ticked off? Yeah. And in the ancient Near East, if you couldn't beat them and you refused to join them, what did you do? You killed them. And so the people throw down, as we talked a little bit about last week, if you were here with us, they throw their cloaks on the ground. They, they're waving palm branches in the air, Palm Sunday. Jesus is riding in. He kicks people out of the temple, and the religious leaders are like, nope. And so after a false trial, they bring, them, uh, they bring Jesus in. And they nail him to a cross, and he dies. For the ancient Israelites, it's like Abraham 
and Isaac all over again. But there isn't a ram caught in a thicket. This time it's the son, and he pays with his life for our sins. And as we're questioning, is that the Messiah? Is it really him? Could it be? And some people were thinking, oh man, he's going to come and he's going to rule, he's going to reign. He's coming in on the donkey. He's going to kick Rome out. It's going to be great. And, he, and he, he's on the cross. He's, he's dead. What is that going to do with what you expected of a Savior? But here's the thing about Jesus and funerals. Is he's never attended one or the person didn't come back to life, even his own. So after three days, he raises from the dead, and this is the exclamation mark on his life work. If you were to write a biography on Jesus, as, as Matthew and, and three of the other gospel writers do, you could just title it, The Kingdom is Here. The life of Jesus, the kingdom is here. It's here now, and his resurrection is the exclamation mark of that word, kingdom is here the symbolic meal when he says, I am the new covenant. When he says, my blood has been poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That's saying, I'm, I'm the new plan, I'm the new deal, and it has arrived. This kingdom that you thought was going to look in a certain way, it is here, and you need to come to terms with the reality of what it is. He says, I am the new covenant. I am the agreement between God and man and the power of sin and death and the devil no longer have power over you. And in fact, all Satan has to do is pick his teeth up off the floor because it is done. Jesus is rarely who we expect. He's often so much better. And sometimes people think that that Jesus is just kind of our meal ticket to get into heaven after we physically die, but that's just a really small kingdom way of thinking. He's called us to die from our old, to our old ways today and live in his way. His resurrection is that exclamation point and the arrival of a new kingdom. And what's left for us to do now is to choose. Where are you today? Are you a disciple? Of which kingdom are you a citizen? Because here's the cool thing that, so after Jesus comes back from the dead, and I've always loved this part right at the end of Matthew, he just comes in and, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to have breakfast with my buddies. Like after a long meal, long night hanging out, it's like, yeah, let's, let's just get together for some brunch on the beach. And he tells them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And this is, this is the best. And behold, that's it. Pay attention, you know, behold. I am with you always to the end of the age. 
any question that anybody had had over whether the Lord was going to come and, and fill the temple again, if his presence was going to be with his people again, if the kingdom was ever going to come again, is answered right here. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Are you opposed to the idea that Jesus is the Messiah? Are you wrestling with the idea that Jesus is the Messiah? Wherever you fall on that, we know there's a spectrum. Wherever you're at there, we're glad that you're here. And this is a place for you to to be and, and to ask questions and to work that out. We know that, that it's a process for some of us. And if you have questions and you're wondering more about that, man, I'd love to get together with you and just chat. And there's a bunch of other folks around here who would love to spend time and, and just have a dialogue about what that looks like. We'll open up the scriptures. We can talk about stories from our lives. Um, so just grab us and, and we'd love to have that conversation with you. And so as the band comes back up to sing songs, Um, and to continue our worship time together, I just urge you to continue to evaluate your life. And if, if Jesus is the Messiah in your life and you've, you've not made that decision before, that's a new thing for you or a new way of being. Man, awesome. Tell us about that. Let's get together. If, if this is something that you're, you've been walking in this for a while, man, also awesome. Let's go out and make some disciples together. As we continue to go out and eventually the snow is going to go away and, and throughout the summer as, as we're, we're with one another and we, we gather together at, at holidays like these and then scatter out to our, our various homes and communities, wouldn't it be great if, if we as a church went out in those communities and lived as though the kingdom were here today and the obligation to make disciples was actually what we were called to do because it is and what's it going to take for us to make those disciples and to grow in the spirit and to go out in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit because he has risen and he is with us